0: we
1: To the true blue la podcast and hello and welcome to 2020 i'm hugh downs with me as <laughs> always is barbara walters also known as eric steven how's it going
2: how do i say goodbye
1: to what we had this is uh this is just the new it's going to be a musical podcast that's right this year we're gonna
2: we're taking over where pump up the pump up the jam left off and uh, there it is.
1: So uh, we recorded last I think three three and a half weeks ago nothing has happened since in terms of the Dodgers roster but we, we lost some friends uh, some articles have been written some people have been interviewed. we're gonna talk all about all of that after this.
0: So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. BGW group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clap or a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, Prohibited by Law. See terms and conditions 18. plus. I
1: couldn't cram it into the intro, but you and I actually hunt out for a little bit. Uh, over all, oh, I was about to say over the New Year on New Year's Day. Exactly,
2: that's right. We we, we wanted to wait till the New Year, the New Decade, uh, to get to get our um, sort sort of our meetup in, and so yeah, we couldn't do it in 2019. That would have been weird, uh, but yeah, 2020 we started off the right way with delicious dim sum, and it was wonderful.
1: I, I, I'm always surprised that because uh, we went to Alhambra for it. I was visiting my folks, and. <laughs> Went sorry, I thought you were going to throw it on my folks. No, <laughs> no, come on. Who do you
2: take me for? <laughs> yeah, uh, and I
1: never hit the parade route. I'm always surprised that traffic is always completely clear. One, be, driving on a Wednesday in LA and having completely clear traffic is great. Uh, but on top of that, having to be the parade day, uh, thank thank goodness it's a holiday. I guess.
2: Yeah, I think it's one of those things. Like unless you're literally going within a few blocks of the parade, uh, the Rose Parade in Pasadena um then you're you're going to find the most empty roads possible like the entire like i'd say maybe a week to two week period in LA um around christmas and new years is like it's a ghost town cuz a lot of people leave and like in terms of just traffic like it's wonderful and it's it's a it's a welcome respite uh as as someone who works from home i don't i barely went anywhere i went to orange county for like a few days around christmas but Uh, Other than that, didn't really drive much, so I didn't get to experience the wonderful lack of traffic, but it it is a a neat phenomenon.
1: Normally, I wouldn't banter too hard hard at the start of an episode. That's probably a lie. We do it all the time. But I was thinking, oh, we should move on to the news. There's no news. The Dodgers are going to have two, I think, beloved players not on their roster next year. That's going to be the main thing we talk about, um, both starting pitchers uh Jin Ryu and Rich Hill uh gone to uh teams in the American League
2: that's right uh we and it's funny like so we specifically uh, because of the holidays and and some traveling schedule this is three weeks after we last recorded it, as opposed to our normal sort of off-season
1: schedule of two and um <clears throat> you know it's just like we did it cause I was in LA and it's hard to record when I'm not at my yeah. home recording setup. Uh, but it, we, we joked that we were giving uh, Friedman and co more time to make a move, not, <laughs> yeah, just and a, and not just a big move, move, any move, any move, yeah. any additive move, I should say. Well,
2: for a good, uh, I guess for a small portion of time, I'm trying to remember the exact timing of this. Uh, but like, it seemed like JT Chigua, um, getting released to sign with the Japanese team. Uh, like what was going to be the, the main topic. And then, but I, I think it actually <laughs> happened after reuse. So maybe that's not the case, but it's just like, that's the level of like anything. Let's let's make it happen. And well, and it, as you know, as much as it would have been weird to like um, uh, set up a, uh, a record at our table, there was just no room on the, on the table because no. we ordered so much food. <laughs> <laughs> I literally knocked over uh, my hot tea and, and my water at one point because uh, well, a I'm a clumsy person, and b uh, there's we just needed room, and like in in scrambling to find room for other dishes. Um, Did you have any uh, other chicken feet? I didn't do. I didn't try the chicken feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I I ate just about everything else.
1: I knew I, I had my last in and out trip for a while uh, ahead of me, so I I ate a little bit lighter than everyone else.
2: Oh, I was gonna say. So you you waited to have chicken feet till you went in and out. What? No, um, yeah, Yeah, that's a specialty. <laughs> it's it's a it's a secret menu item. Give it um, animal style. So, so yeah. Well, yeah, you can you could actually pick the animal. That's the new <laughs> animal style. Um, okay, so uh, back to, back to the Dodgers or the former Dodger stuff. Now it, you could uh, on one hand you could say both Hyunjin Ryu and Rich Hill were excellent pitchers like for the Dodgers um whether like what what you can count on from them in 2020 specifically like is is up for grabs I would say and like I guess there's an uh you can make an argument like okay Ryu got four years and 80 million from we the ch- blue Jays. Really you should
1: mention this I yeah. am
2: nailed Oh, is that what, I don't, see, this is like our, my memory is much as you know. So I was on a plane
1: and I was on Southwest and Southwest gives you free messaging. Uh, So I can text, I was able to text, you text messaged me some stupid pun. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have the internet because I didn't want to pay the eight bucks just for my phone. And you, you said that Ryu had signed and you asked me to guess the contract and I nailed 480.
2: You said 480 and it was one of those things like where, uh, I, in a in a in a weird way, it's you want to do like a joke. You want to you want to hope that someone will guess something so outlandish, so you can say, "Huh, no, it was even more than that." Foolish answer, and you <laughs> you nailed it on the first try. And I believe, I believe my response to you was "fuck you." It, it was, <laughs> yeah, and because I was like, "You there's no way you don't have internet?" And You're like, "No, I'm on the plane." And I'm like, "And this is happened before we have texted. I've texted you in in the air. That's how we usually you know, communicate." Um, so uh yeah congrats to you uh for I'm doing sad that we
1: didn't record it earlier i I, yeah. I have no proof except for our we
2: should just have siri like say out loud our text messages okay. and then there yeah <laughs> there would be a lot of cussing. um it'll be like duck you what no siri don't autocorrect damn it um but yeah so four years 80 million that's a lot of money like it's his age 33 to 36 seasons You, it's understandable right like certainly 2020, he he was just runner-up. Cy Young. he was very good in 2018. Missed a lot of time with the with his groin tearing <laughs> off of his bone. Like I just I can't get over that. How painful that must have been. Um, but like when he's on the mound, the, like this is the sort of the the through line for both pitchers is when they're on the mound, wonderful. It's just how often you get them on the mound. Ryu was more reliable in this last year than he was since like his first two years in LA. Um, so that was great. Um, you know, again, it's a large outlay. Understandable. They didn't do that in a vacuum, right? Like un- completely understandable. They, they weren't going to go that high for Ryu. Um, so I, I, you get it. Right. But at the same time, you're like, but on, on some, whether or not, um, you wanted sort of Ryu for like 2020,
1: it's still like. An arm. Um, you need arm Like you're right. that's all. Pitchers have these. Even if uh, certainly Hill and and potentially Ryu have a bigger question mark than other pitchers, you still need arms because one, your you know, best laid plans are going to go awry on at least one of your guys. And right now, and we'll get to this a little bit later in the show. The Dodgers' plans, like a guy who hasn't actually started it since he was nineteen, uh, a bunch of a pile of rookies. And then a pitcher that they like to convert into a reliever right around August—that's right. scary. And we'll t- again, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, and and I don't, I I think most fans are on the bargain of like, why haven't the Dodgers done anything here? I don't think they're like, oh, we'll be fine. Uh, Reuse Rees hurt. What what's the worst that could happen? And that's no. why I, if you recall of previous episodes, these were the two to me most obvious Dodger offseason moves. Uh, There was the pie in the sky that they would um, sign one of the big free agents. There's a still possible, but maybe not so likely, that they're going to make a big, big trade. And then there was a, "Eh, we'll bring back Ryu, we'll bring back um, Rich Hill. Rich Hill can pitch in the playoffs. We can just focus him entirely on that. That struck me as a very move this front office would make. And neither got made. And there's not a lot left to do other than this sort of fabled big trade that could happen.
2: Yeah, like so well it, it's weird like this winter like so the last two off seasons were pretty quiet in terms of like major free agents obviously uh last year we ended up with getting Machado and Harper getting their uh 300 million dollar plus deals um at, Eventually. But that at the end <laughs> right so like and then but and like we knew this this uh winter that like um, Steven Strasburg and Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole were going to sign like humongous deals. We knew Cole was going to sign a record contract, or at least it looked that way. And then, like, and we knew Strasburg was going to sign a very big deal. I don't think I expected him to get like the the presumed Cole record deal, right? Like going into this offseason, seven two forty five is like a pipe dream for for a pitcher, right? In, in like in this day and age, and Strasburg got that at two years older than Cole still awesome um and then cole went and got um a nine nine nine-year deal from the yankees and so like they blew those records out of the water but i think even more than that like zach wheeler got his huge deal five years 118 um and then um yeah so like and then uh wait who is the other who is the other pitcher i'm missing this is a tragedy.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, why is there Okay, so Madison Bumgarner signed 585. So not quite the um Man, this is this is bumming me out. I'm trying to remember it without looking up I'm just going to look it up. But like uh, my my point is like were you um, Oh, okay. yeah, I broke nope. you. <laughs> yeah, you, you totally did. Like this is like this. Okay, so in total value, Ryu was fifth. In average value, he was fourth among pitchers. Like um, uh, this off season. So the, the the point I was trying to make is that like these deals were rare the last two off seasons. Like there's been six pitcher contracts, four or more years this winter. There were five the last two off seasons combined. So like that's sort of that's more more the surprising part. Um. I'll say this about Ryu. Um, he had – he was one of their more, like, successful – like off, one of the most successful offseason or international signings ever of any team, I would say. Um, I think people forget this. Like, he was actually one of the best pitchers in the National League, like, before his shoulder surgery. Like, okay, mm-hmm. so on, on one level, his ERA plus was 111, right, in those first two years, 317 ERA. Like okay, that's fine. He was actually twelfth in the National League with that ERA. But if you look at it, like the peripherals were excellent, like 297 fifth. That was fourth in the National League in those first two years. Uh Clayton Kershaw, Adam Wainwright, Cliff Lee were the only two better. His uh, seven point eight fangraphs were tied was tied for seventh. Like, look at it this way. Those were Grinky's first two years in LA, and Grinky was at seven point nine. So like Ryu was like excellent. And then Obviously, he had the huge like um, shoulder surgery, then he had elbow cleanup, so he basically missed two years. Um, he and then he was like one of the best pitchers, not only nationally but in baseball. The last few years, even better than we could have imagined. I would say like like coming back. I thought 2017 was like a major win for Ryu. Uh, he had missed two years. The fact that he was just a like serviceable and like very good starter. But also not not good enough to make the, that that rotate but postseason rotation. He was the odd man out um, behind um, Kershaw, Hill, Ryu Darvish, and Alex Wood. So like he was sort of in that like Kenta Maeda limbo now, except that Ryu can't really pitch in relief. So like, but the fact that he made it back to that after that like hu- humongous like um, you know time missed like that was a that was a win to me. And then like. I, I did not see these last two years coming so like maybe the Dodgers figured like that was just sort of gravy right like what we got from him was excellent we can't really double down on that um I so on on some level I understand it I'll say this the um, look reused overall postseason area is 405 generally he's been fine he had a couple shaky starts like in 2018 in against Milwaukee and he one start in the World Series, but there's three starts I wanted to remember. So 2013 NLCS, Dodgers were down 0-2, including a one nothing game in St. Louis. Um, they come back home, absolutely, obviously have to win game three. He pitched seven shutout innings. That was his first year with the Dodgers. 2014 NLCS, same situation, game three, um, except this time um, it was, what, it was Tied, yeah, it was tied one to one. He actually pitched awesome in game three, six innings, one earn, or one run given up. But he did this after missing, uh, he had not pitched in 24 days prior to that. He was like, sort of like, there was like this mystical thing about him almost, like those first couple years where he didn't throw in between starts. Everyone throws like a bullpen session or whatever to get, get prepared. He's like, nah, that's not what I do. And they're like, hey, if it works, like, keep, keep doing what you're doing. And, like, he would also um, almost have situations where sometimes he didn't go on a rehab assignment. Um, And, like, since the minor league season was over, he didn't really have an opportunity to do that. So he went, like, he had shoulder inflammation at the beginning of September, didn't pitch for 24 days, and his first time on a mound is game three of the NLCS, and he pitched great. The Dodgers ended up losing that game because – Uh, shockingly, they didn't hit in the series postseason series they got eliminated in, and this was we didn't realize how much of a trend this would become, but this is sort of a thing. Um, and then in the 2000 NLDS, uh, against the Braves, he started game one, and this was like really the first time that Kershaw was not given the game one start when available, like the old so he had started. Eight of the previous ten game ones, Kershaw. The only two times he didn't was right after pitching on short rest in, in the NLDS, so he wasn't available uh, in on a reasonable schedule to pitch game one. Uh, so he had basically he was there, you know, they're locked in. Game one started this time. Both Kershaw and Ryu were rested, and they could have flipped the rotation order uh, to like sort of keep that up. And they said, "Nope, we're sticking with Ryu." Went in game one and he pitched seven shutout innings. Kershaw actually did very well in game two, and they won that too. And then Kershaw pitched game one in the later two series. But I think that was sort of a nice little symbolic thing, and it, like show that they're at least willing to, on some level to uh, think outside the box and not treat um, like Kershaw like like this uh, sort of exalted thing that you that you're you're always sort of like. Uh, chasing the dragon with him in a way i I, so that was sort of symbolic but anyway ryu was excellent um and like understand 80 million dollars completely get it that he was like not um re-signed but then we've talked about this like i don't i think probably every podcast like this off season like rich hill (laughs) seemed like rich hill seemed like the perfect like Obvious situation that the Dodgers would be like, well, look, he's a guy who's not going to be ready till June or July. He's going to pitch half a season. The whole thing with Hill is you love what he does when he's on the mound. It's just getting him on the mound. Yeah, so as long yeah, as he's healthy you for his young
1: arms see yeah. sticks, and then you have an arm for the playoffs. And if someone had like swooped in, figured out that was something they want, signed him before, say the 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 Garrett Coles of the world sign, Okay, I kind of get it. You're you're reserving those funds for a big splash. He signed afterwards. What like what what are they saving this money for? And and yeah. you know they can they can keep saying oh trades are possible you know we're gonna you know we need that money for mookie or something like that it's like i'll believe it when i see it
2: yeah that was i was so surprised at this like he signed three million dollar guarantee with the twins and you're like of all the things right that if you want to like ding the dodgers for like being too cheap or sticking under the salary cap that's the exact kind of contract you want right like very limited guarantee he has nine and a half million dollars in incentives if he hits like, 15 starts and 75 innings, you would completely love to pay Rich Hill $12.5 million if he was able to pitch that, right? Like, that would be perfect. Sort of surprising. Like, everyone in the clubhouse loves Rich Hill. Like, there was, he was in tears, like, at the end of um, uh, the NLDS this year because of how hard – he's. he started game four um, after, like, what uh, – his was it his ankle? I think he was dealing with it, his knee. I think it was his knee, a- and that was after like a partial tear in his UCL. So like that shows you how desperate like the need is. To have like playoff starters, you know, and they Ryu and Hill were definitely playoff starters. Like uh, they started nine of the twenty-one playoff games the Dodgers in the last two years. Uh, in the regular season, those two combined for eighty-one starts and a two sixty-six ERA the last two years. So again, not that they're going to put up a, a two six ERA in two thousand twenty, but that's what you have to replace right going forward, and so. And that's where the tough spot comes in. I will say this about Hill. Again, like Ryu, excellent when he pitched. Um, he had a uh, 316 ERA with the Dodgers. Okay, so uh, Ryu had a 129 ERA plus. Um, uh, among Dodgers with 50, with 100 starts, uh, he was fourth all time with that 129. Kershaw is 157. Kevin Brown's 147. Koufax is 131. Everybody else is lower than Ryu. <laughs> like, he's actually tied with Dazzy Vance and Andy Smith So, look, ERA plus is not the end-all, be-all, but it, it's A metric, right? Like um, re, uh, Rich Hill is uh, – I lowered it to 50 starts because Rich Hill only made, like, what? I think it was 60, 68 starts with the Dodgers. So, um, I'll say this. Oh, okay. I have t- – this is funny. I, I thought, okay, I had two different trivia questions I was going to ask you, and I'm no, skipping no. it. Okay, so I, I, since I'm talking about this now, I'm gonna, um, yeah. All right, here's the deal. Okay, so, oh yeah, among 50 starts, uh, Ryu is uh, tied for sixth with his 129 ERA plus. Rich Hill tied for ninth. Can you? I'm trying to think how I'm going to phrase this. Hmm. Can you name any other
1: members of the top ten? So this is minimum fifty starts by ERA plus.
2: I, I've already given you um, Kershaw, Kevin Brown, and Koufax. You know Ryu and Hill are there. So there are five other members of the top ten. Is this... Oh, I, I, I guess I give you two others: I, Andy Messersmith and Desi Vance, tied with oh, so you only have to, you you only have to name three three pitchers minimum fifty starts. Uh, in the top ten of ERA plus in Dodger history.
1: Okay, so this is what we're gonna do. This is yeah. this lines up well. We have to take a break. I'm yep. gonna think, and we'll come back. We won't have any dead air, and I'll uh, I'll have three guesses for you. How about that? Yeah, you can all, you know just have two because two I, um, yeah okay. I'll have I'll have two guesses for you. right for this? Step into the world of power loyalty Okay, we're back. Yeah, so I've got two guesses. I mm-hmm. went because there, there's, wait, I should know this as the master of small sample size. Fifty innings is it needs small enough that you you don't want to risk risk the guys that are known for their highlights because they might have been on the team for a while and tanked it. So uh, I mean, and I'll say okay. You no, no, don't guess? say anything because one one okay. was on the Dodgers for a while. So right. I, my my first guess is Zach mm-hmm. Greinke.
2: Zach Greinke is second uh, to Clayton Kershaw. His ERA plus is one fifty six in ninety two starts.
1: Okay, and then now I am going to go with kind of a long timer, but I'm I'm hoping here Don Drysdale.
2: No, uh, ah. Drysdale is is tied for fifteenth okay. at one twenty one in in a mere four hundred and sixty five starts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the, uh, my hint to you is going to be both of the. Um, there's actually three. We're going to talk about the third one later. He's the Dodger Rewind, but the uh, the other two, Granky and this other person, both had fewer than a hundred but more than fifty yeah. starts.
1: I'm not going go uh, to.
2: And <laughs> I will say the the other one uh, that I was going to get to was is currently active and started game one of the playoffs last year oh. for the Dodgers. Walker Buehler's at yeah. well, he's at 130. So wow,
1: that's yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. I I guess. I guess I would have had pegged him just under fifty starts. So
2: Right. And, and it's one of those things you're like, oh yeah, okay. I guess he has made that so he's at uh
1: uh fifty three starts. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm I'm happy with my guess. Yeah. then. <laughs> so so
2: way to be way off. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> okay, so uh I will say this the best thing about Hill, right? Like uh well look, he was wonderful to watch, right? Um like just com- like the nicest guy ever and also on the mound he was a hellion like he was like uh he would he was so like passionate and like ferocious it was and like he was excellent in his playoff starts but like he's always going to be like um he's he's lumped in with like some of the major like decision making like of the last year that's gotten the most like criticism i would say Um, But, look, 270 ERA in 11 postseason starts and 12 games with the Dodgers. Leaf appearance was mop-up one scoreless inning in the World Series in 18. Um, Okay, so he only has one win in those games. Part of it is because he gets pulled. (laughs) Uh, Part of it is because bullpens have just completely crapped the bed, like, uh, afterwards uh, in some cases. But also, okay, so I would say – so there's the the two games that were, like – that are most brought up with Hill. The first one was game two of the 2017 World Series, right? He, he pitched four innings. Uh, he he struck out seven. He allowed one run, and he also walked three and allowed three hits. He was pulled. Um, it was part of the lineup where they had a bunch of righties in a row. I think it was five righties in a row, and that was Kent Maeda's role. And, every, and then, of course, the Dodgers ended up losing that game
0: uh, in part, yeah, in part,
2: it. in part because Kenley Jensen had to pitch two innings instead of one, um, and ended up blowing the game in the ninth. Uh, and then they they you know they ran out of, ran out of bullets at the end. They they Josh Fields had one of the worst relief appearances of all time in extra innings, and then Brandon McCarthy lost it. Um, anywho, uh, so that's one thing, right? I, I will say this in defense of that. I think that's. Most of that blame still lies on Kamley Jansen. He should have protected that lead and not grooved a pitch to Marwin Gonzalez. But, um, like, there's also, like, oh, how do you pull Rich Hill? He only gave up one uh, run in four innings, he struck out seven. He also was very lucky. That was the game where um, uh, there was that diving play by Chris Taylor in the outfield. And the ball ricocheted off of his cap, and that was like and it like went right to uh they they were, the Dodgers were like able to field it like immediately after that, rather than like scamper away and like get a run. Like that was a run, like that move, like and then and it ended up I think not scoring. Um so like any it, like, it just it just that's how they pitched Rich Hill that year. Uh, 2017 like he was basically two times through the order they that bullpen that year was the best bullpen the dodgers have had like in Mm -hmm. recent memory and like so they were just like this is our formula we're sticking to it at that point the dodgers had lost one playoff game um of their that was their 10th playoff game that year and they had lost one to that point with a dominant bullpen so they were relying on that um and that's what just just didn't work out but uh the, look at Rich Hill starts that year he every time was like um it was like his batter's face was 18 i think it was 18 19 19 18 or something and one of the times he faced the 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 19th batter was an intentional walk so it's like it was pretty clear how they were using him right like and then it, it loosened up in 2018 like they needed him to go longer and he actually did he was um <laughs> game 4 of the 2018 world series dodgers are up for nothing and then Rich Hill, um, six and a third innings, right? He had he had struck out seven again, allowed only one run again. Uh, first of all, he had allowed no runs to this point. Uh, there was one out and one runner on base. Um, a left-hander, Brock Holt, was up. And so Rich Hill's a left-hander, but they brought in Scott Alexander. However, this this was, it was like the exact opposite of the, the previous year. Rich Hill, rem- remember like his whole – Uh, postseason the previous year was like, look, we, Dave Roberts coming to the mound, he's going to take you out. Roberts' intention in this game, in game four, was to talk to Rich Hill. (laughs) And Rich Hill, he sees Roberts coming out and and starts to walk off the mound and hands him the ball. So Roberts was like, oh, he doesn't want to pitch. And then part of the other reason, too, with Hill is like, he's like very honest about like, hey, uh, you know, Mm -hmm keep an eye on me, uh, take me out, like, if this happened or whatever. Very, like, uh, I would say on the the more honest side among most pitchers in terms of telling you how they feel, what they have left, etc. Rich Hill still wanted to pitch in this game. He assumed because Roberts was coming out of the mound, uh, or of the dugout, that he was going to take him out. So he, that's what he assumed. Roberts saw Hill walking off the mound thinking he wants to come out, So this was like this big clusterfuck of confusion and that caused it. And then this was the thing that that, like, of course, like Donald Trump tweeted about it because he's got nothing better to do (laughs) and like, come on. Right. Like, okay. So that was like the, the frustrating part about that. And then like every single reliever that came in after that, like just completely gave it up. And so, it was just a disastrous game. That was the game that, like, the Puig home run should have been Puig's defining moment as a Dodger. Uh, could have had a tied series after that with, like, Kershaw going game five. Uh, but anyway, what could have been is, like, sort of the story of the Dodgers' playoffs <laughs> in, in recent years. But anyway, so uh, so I looked at his, like, um, his postseason run with the Dodgers, right? And it's it's been four seasons. Uh, he was only allowed to get more than fifteen, or he only got more than fifteen outs twice. Uh, 2016 NLCS Game Three, he pitched six scoreless innings uh, at home against the Cubs. That was again down 0-2. Um, I'm sorry, no, that that was that put them up 2-1 actually in that series. And then I forgot what happened after that. Um, and then 2018 World Series Game Four, we talked about. Yeah, I was looking at his like uh, Rich Hill again who was so injured that he barely pitched in the second half, torn partial tear of his UCL. That's why he's going to miss the first half of the season. Still slated – he still started game four for the Dodgers because he was their best option, and he um, he blasted two and two-thirds innings, right? He only faced 13 batters. He's had, like, three very weird playoff starts in Washington, D.C. with the Dodgers. Uh, in game two, there was a rainout in game two Usually the NLDS schedule is set up to where you could start. That's why the Dodgers started Kershaw's short rest all the years because they had Granky most of the – like every year but one. Um, and if you have your – you could have your game two starter going game five on regular rest because of the schedule. So that year the Dodgers didn't have Granky, They had Rich Hill as their second starter. So when game two got rained out, he had to uh, pitch the next day instead of the scheduled day, and then um, then he ended up starting Game Five on three days rest. After Kershaw started Game Four on three days rest, and because Rich Hill had never really done that, and wasn't used to it again. Shortened outing, two and two thirds, and then the Dodgers bullpened their way to win that one. Um, and so it's just weird, um, but I, so this besides Rich Hill has the two sort of signature games with the Dodgers. Um, he had the um, perfect game through seven innings in Miami in 2016, and then was famously pulled by Dave Roberts. And you got to remember the context of this: like Rich Hill, he only made um, six starts with the Dodgers that after getting traded at the deadline that year. He he dealt with blisters like for several months, and like their thing was, we have to get him. We just want to make sure he's healthy in October. They weren't going to push him, and so. That's sort of why he was pulled there. And then they left him in in 2017. The next year he had a perfect game through eight and then an error to start the ninth. He had a no hitter through nine. He was so while He pitched, he started the 10th and then gave up a walk off home run on like a, um, a pop fly to left field basically and lost the game one to nothing. So that game in 2017, this was the other trivia I was going to ask you. Um, uh, the third best Bill James game score, uh, by an LA Dodger in a loss. Can you name the two with a higher game score?
1: So, I will a, a good guess is Kershaw, right? It is not. Oh, no, well, well, it is a good guess. Give me that. Mm. He has lots of lots of lots of games, does but does he? No, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're
2: it, it is a good guess. I will tell you. Uh, I, I, the search that I use for this is, oh, okay. So I'll tell you, Rich Hill's game score, uh, was 91 in the perfect game or the, yeah, the no hitter loss. Um, and uh, so I, I, I did a search for everything 85 and higher and in a loss and, um, and this is a team loss. The pitcher didn't necessarily have to lose, but, and, and Kershaw did not have any of these games. Oh, so. All of his like high game score games are wins.
1: I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tap out because I'm just gonna start naming names. I don't I can't okay. think of a game in particular today. Okay, so because this look, is yeah. definitely the the one I think of. So
2: I will say this: um, the other like sort of safe safe slash good guess among LA Dodgers, he could have went with Koufax, and yeah. he was he is definitely won. <laughs> Koufax in 1960 against the Cubs. Uh, this was at Wrigley Field. this is funny okay 13 innings (laughs) four runs nine walks 15 strikeouts he lost in the 14th with nobody out Walk, walk off um the other one was bill singer uh a straight up uh uh, okay, he pitched. He didn't lose, but he he pitched nine scoreless innings with ten strikeouts and two hits allowed. <laughs> uh, game score. Both of those had game scores of ninety-three. This was nineteen sixty-nine. Every other one like uh, among this was all Brooklyn people, uh, at least above Rich Hill. Um, Don Drysdale had a game score of ninety in a, in a game the Dodgers lost, T- ten innings, <laughs> no no runs. So yeah, these these are these are fun okay so that that's sort of um w- w- it's hard to say like which which of those two games do you think is better
1: that's got to be like better. I
2: don't even know i it I was probably uh, the game the i game i I, I like it, the no hitter loss in its in its sort of beauty um he pitched into the tenth uh but man he was
1: so good you know what else Endi- final <laughs> thing that endears Rich to me what any enemy of the Patriots is a friend of mine,
2: okay? So that's the other funny part, right? So after Ryu, like, um, signs with Toronto, we're like, okay, oh, and then we also have this fun Rich Hill fact to talk about. <laughs> um, and so Rich Hill from Boston, he and his wife go to the Patriots game on December 21st, and like his wife, I guess, had a backpack or a fanny pack or something that was above the regulations uh, allowed by gillette stadium so they're like having an argument with security to the point where like they call the police over and like um so they both an argument ensued uh both ended up getting charged with disorderly conduct uh his wife caitlin was charged originally with trespassing <laughs> rich hill was charged with resisting arrest uh reduced to lesser violations and they paid like a thousand dollar fine um look it, it's kind of funny right the lawyer for rich hill said this was a terribly unfortunate event that should have never escalated beyond a routine encounter with stadium security rich hill in a statement said
1: um, eric's internet fighting the patriots so i'm gonna say what rich hill said or as you put, D- Dick Mountain said, despite Saturday's events, my great respect for law enforcement remains unchanged. However, seeing my wife handcuffed for a problem that started because of her fanny pack was extremely difficult for me to witness.
2: I'm completely pro-fanny pack, uh,
1: <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad
2: that it's making a comeback. Uh, but yeah, and as Andy McCullough tweeted yesterday, we're recording this on a Monday, I guess he, re- he tweeted this Saturday, mm-hmm. and the, um, the Patriots lost. Before the AFC championship game for the first time in nine years. So America rejoiced. Um, and then as Annie McCullough tweeted, the Patriots have not won a playoff game since they arrested Rich Hill. <laughs> so that don't mess with Rich Hill, I think is the point of this. And I think that's where we're at. And like, look, so we, we talked about this, right? Like um oh yeah, the other thing, Rich
1: Hill <laughs> about not messing uh, with Rich Hill.
2: Yeah, don't mess with Rich Hill. Uh, he he's gonna be 40 in March. So the next time he starts in a major league game he'll be uh, uh 40 there were no 40 year old pitchers in 2019 so we we need a return from this uh, Bartolo Colon was the last one he he pitched uh, at age 45 in 2018 so yeah uh, go old guys is my I guess my point here but yeah so now like, starters, now, right? now now what right uh, Yeah. oh yes yeah cuz Fernando you know, Roddy. Star- yeah Fernando yeah. Rodney,
1: the yeah. the eternal
2: He's the only pitcher older than Rich Hill, like of any kind in, in the majors. So
1: so we're going to talk about kind of what the rotation is going to look like in the future. You've got a Dodgers rewind and uh, we've got some questions, Craig, all that after this.
0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No
3: purchase necessary. BTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Mentioned it a little earlier. Dodgers rotation, you know, they have five starting pitchers who have pitched, uh, have started a major league game before. So technically this, is this rotation done to you? Uh, what Give me, I want a famous Eric Steven percentage on... Bueller, Kershaw, Mendoza, Urias, and then either May, Stripling, or Gonsolin. Those are your first five starters to start this year, assuming no injury concerns.
2: Yeah, like okay, so I'm I I I think there's increasingly high odds that those a group five of those seven will be the Dodgers' like first five starting pitchers of oh. 2020. But it cannot be there. Like I don't think. I, I don't know how you can honestly, like, go into, like, the postseason with that. Like, look, they could have breakout years, whatever, but you can't plan for that. Like, you could uh, – I don't know. It, it's tough. Like, so I think, like, it's pretty clear they're, they're going to add someone whether it's now or whether it's July or something. But I think that's – we like, we thought they were going to add, add a starter like this last offseason or this last trade deadline or at least, you know, more to – Adding to the bullpen than they did, and they didn't. So, like honestly, I don't really know. Like, there's rumors out there. Obviously, that the two big sort of trade rumors um, involving the Dodgers are um, one is involving Francisco Lindor with the Indians, and one is involving Mookie Betts with the Red Sox. Um, both because I think, especially more so in the Red Sox case, because they're already they're already over the tax threshold that like they have to get under and like, obviously they don't want to sit trade bets. He has a year left. You. And then both have sort of pitchers attached to them and that the Dodgers are interested in. One is David Price uh, with the Red Sox. The other is Mike Clevenger with the Indians. Clevenger is much cheaper than Price. Price was a free agent. He has three years and $96 million left. So like getting Price, would be would like be a boon for the Red Sox in terms of them reducing salary. It doesn't necessarily make doesn't make them better, um, the Red Sox better. But um, like I don't I have no idea the feasibility. <laughs> it would have to be like the Red Sox be being adamant that they have to get under the luxury tax for two thousand twenty or something to where they'd be like, look, just get rid of Price send them bets and get back what you can right or something like that that's the sort of desperation move where anything like that would work the thing with the Cle- with cleveland is clevenger is like he's got 3 rbears before free agency so still relatively cheap and then lindor has 2 years before free agency so like that that's going to be like the hugest prospect haul in terms of what what you would pay so like I guess, I don't know, most rumors with this say the Indians want uh, Gavin Lux, which is understandable. Dustin May's name also bandied about. Dodgers don't want to trade Gavin Lux, obviously. I, I think the Cleveland deal seems like a non-starter to me um, or like it doesn't seem reasonable. Like they already traded Corey Kluber. So unless they're also hell-bent on like shaving more payroll, but I think they think they can compete with what they have. So I don't see them necessarily motivated to do that. The Red Sox are probably more motivated to make a move, and maybe even if it's just getting price, I think that is something that could work for the Dodgers. Like as of now, the Dodgers are at the arbitration stuff happens this week. Uh, The exchange deadline is Friday, so you'll see a lot of like one-year deals signed this week. Um, but with the projections and with several assumptions mixed in, the Dodgers are at roughly 165.5 million. The threshold is 208. But man, I just um, I think the best the the Red Sox would have to be pretty like desperate uh, or like just hell bent on getting under the cap. Uh, there or see, it's the thing. It's not even it's not even a cap. It's just like an extra cost, right? Uh, the other thing, like. Uh, I just wanted to bring this up because Dustin Osler did a lot of work um, on this, on, on on just the whole offseason. He's done this, but like his, he had an article on Dodgers Digest about Jimmy Nelson, who's a free agent. He's also he's coming off like a, a labrum and rotator cuff injuries that cost him all of 2018. He missed the first two and a half months of 2019 with elbow injury. So like he's a total like wild card lottery ticket almost at this point. But he was really good. Um, in 2017 before he got hurt. So, again, this is, like, l- much lower level, but, like, that's that's sort of, like, the options, at least, that I see. There's probably more options out there I don't really know, but, like, that's where we're sort of getting. So maybe that's why the Dodgers might say let's wait until July, but it's, like, that's a risky move, um, especially with, like, uh, just heading into the offseason with this maneuverability or with this room to spend – and they just don't have something to spend it on right now. So, I'll say this: the the reason, and this this is sort of like um, notable. Bill Plasky, uh talked to Stan Kasten, um over the weekend, and it was a pretty good column. Like Kasten understandably, like defensive in a lot of the questions uh, Plasky asked about, like the TV deal, and you know, you're getting all this money from the TV deal. Why you don't? Why don't you spend? And his deal, and Kasten's basic response was like we've had $200 million payrolls. Like you can't, you know, possibly like, uh, it's hard to like knock that. And on a, some level I like get it, but we've talked about this before. It's like, they finally get to the Dodgers, finally get to the, the, at the point where they're like clearly a championship contender. Um, and they don't like, they just like the last two off seasons have been kind of a dud, right? Like mm-hmm. they didn't really add a ton. And like, you, you just think like that little marginal, uh, something to get him over the hump might help. And so that that's where the frustration lies.
1: Even if like, yeah, I think there's something to be said by doing like, you don't, you obviously what, and this is, I think where a lot of in our, um, the article Catherine was kind of getting at is fans want us to make these moves to feel better, not necessarily because they're going to be the ones that win a championship. And a lot of times it's the less heralded deals that are actually going to win that championship. And I get that, but similar to the points we made when, uh, both times Kershaw's come up for an extension. Sometimes you need to make these moves to make the fans feel a little bit more engaged. And he countered that by saying, Oh, ticket sales are really high. Everyone's coming out. Uh, we have metrics that say that most fans are really happy with what we're doing. I don't buy that uh i don't know the the interview is kind of weird cuz i'm angry at both um, stan and Plashkey at different points in this interview <laughs> what I, why can't plashkey quote himself this always always bothered me by Plashkey interviews he direct quotes who he's interviewing but then he like cleans up what, what his question was really bothers me
2: oh but well then i i kind of get that you're like
1: um uh, yeah. it's, it's
2: not like a, it's not necessarily a q and a right you're not printing a q and a
1: i get it Still it just like, i guess it just it, it always makes plashy come out cleaner that and like the quotes he gets from stan are clearly kind of more off the cuff i don't know it's always bothered me well about the I, I will say this
2: he's plashy's telling the story so like he's I, writing
1: I, you know what i mean like yeah.
2: like that's not that like that big of a deal unless you're like literally just posting A Q&A or something but okay so i will say this the uh i took from this uh uh from sandcast and it says the team we have now is not going to be the team we have to start the postseason i expect that this team this year it looks like we're going to be well over the cbt or somewhat over now we talked about this they're at 165 and a half now thresholds 208 so another one (laughs) to do that like you gotta do
1: some (laughs) stuff right like so joe kelly uh, this season raise
2: (laughs) yeah or yeah are they they're gonna renegotiate like uh (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, I, man, I don't know. Like, uh, it's interesting. I mean, this, it's like this weird, like, like hint of like, it, you know, like he's it's like, it's such a tease. Like, man, like, you, I, I don't because know. If you say- look,
1: looking at free agents, there's not a lot, like, not a lot of like, so when you, you have that number, the 165 yeah. numbers, how many like actual holes are on that roster?
2: Well, so right now, like, okay, so there's, they have a complete offense. Like, the, 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 uh, it's going to be a 26 man roster, uh, this year. That's right. So, and it's, you can't carry, I think, more than 13 pitchers. So they've always carried 13 pitchers with the 25 man roster. So it's going to be 13 and 13. And they have their 13. Like, they have basically, if you, like, I would say Matt Beatty has a good shot of being the other guy. I have him as the 14th guy right now. Right. So, like, um, it's all just, I'm just going to run down the list for just for sake of completeness as it stands right now. Will Smith, catcher, Muncie at first, Lux at second, Turner at third, Seagirt short, Pollock in left, Bellinger center, Peterson and right. Okay. Alex Verdugo dealing with a back injury. So, I guess there's where Beatty comes in if needed, but it's still, it's January. So, Verdugo, Kike, Chris Taylor, Austin Barnes, backup catcher. And then, and then that's your 13. So, Beatty's the one right after that, and Rios right after that. Um, so, that's the 13. The The pitching staff we mentioned, they have those seven pitchers uh, Kershaw, Bueller, Maeda, Urias, and May. There's your five, just to, to name five. Your your bullpen is Jansen, Trinan, Bias, Kelly for sure, Calerick. Even though they might not use him when they should, <laughs> <laughs> every condition that's your that's five. You figure Ross Stripling is going to be in the rotation or the bullpen, so that's seven. Scott Alexander, possibly again. So, um, like it's one of those pitchers is going to be the eighth reliever. So you're basically a set team and a pretty good team, but like you could see where they need to sort of like like make improvements and that's so like they you're right they don't have to do something but it's clear that they like want to make an impact but it's just a matter of where
1: yeah and how (laughs) like there's if you look at the available free there's like josh donaldson who they've been like lukewarmly linked to the and then you just have to jettison um either in trade or or just by designating to a bench role one of your other um starting position players and then it's like like who is the best free agent starting pitcher left out, out like outside of I know you mentioned Jimmy Nelson, but I don't but even he's know. A, he's a lottery ticket. And like, yeah, yeah that's exactly. a good
2: Yeah. Um Huh. That's a good question. I So like, the only
1: way you can do this is by trading for is by doing something like this bet's price deal. And right. that would be great. That would be really exciting, but I think a lot of fans are just getting a lot, and again, and like, and I think Stan called it the Twitterverse. But a lot of fans that are actually paying attention, not just the fans that are kind of going casually to a game and they can name five or ten players, the the fans that are paying attention and reading, whether it's ESPN or MLB trade rumors, however they get it, they're, they're sick of of reading Andrew Friedman saying we're going after elite talent, and then they make one signing of a of a reliever, and that's kind of it.
2: Right. And, like, uh, so I'm I'm going – I'm just perusing as an example the MLB Trade Rumor's top 50 free agents from the beginning of the season. Uh, like Donaldson, Ozuna, Nick Castellanos, all position players. And then Daniel Hudson at number 28, breaking news while we're talking here. He, he's going back with the Nationals on a two-year deal, so he's out. But, like, we haven't got to a starting <laughs> pitcher yet, uh, like, that's still available. Um I'm looking like <laughs> there's good lord <laughs> so like oh okay you know you know who's the, the top rated uh pitcher on here starting pitcher on here yeah uh Alex Wood oh. <laughs> number 39 so like in, even that like in the, part of the reason like the Dodgers traded him is because they didn't really trust him like to be uh like healthy enough or have good enough stuff like they were down on him sort of starting in the playoffs after 2017 so like uh, that doesn't seem like something that they they're, they're like that interested in bringing him back, right?
1: So in the name of hitting the CBT, Alex would one year fifty million, right?
2: Yeah, it's one of those like yeah we have to we have to hit the minimum. Uh that, that would be an amazing contract. Can you imagine? Like oh my god, that would be funny. So yeah, so like I, uh, I don't really know, but like it's it's clear like they have to do something. So they have like we mentioned, they have an extra spot on the forty man right now because JT Chargraw was released, so he's mm-hmm. he's going to be with the Rakuten e- Eagles. So uh, <sighs> what do you know? what do you know?
1: All right, we're running a little long on time, so we're just gonna we're gonna go to the Dodgers rewind.
2: Okay, so we mentioned the list before of the top Dodgers ERA+, plus uh, with 50 or more starts. Uh, Ryu is tied for sixth at 129. Hill is tied for ninth at 128. So there's a bunch of people um, lumped together there in the bottom half of the top 10. Rich Hill is tied with Whit Wyatt. Um, He pitched six years for the Brooklyn Dodgers, basically just before or during World War II, uh, 1939 to 1944. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Whit is short for Whitlow. Whitlow Wyatt—that's an awesome name. Um, okay, so Wyatt pitched for like nine years in the American League, and like I was reading his saber bio, and like they thought of him as like a failure. He he had um, I was this is a quote from Wyatt: uh, I wasn't going any place. I wasn't making progress. I thought, well, I'll just give up and I'll stay home and farm. <laughs> he's he's a guy from Georgia. He was married at this point, so his age thirty season, he goes to. The minors, and this was the Milwaukee Brewers back then. They were in the American Association. He won twenty three games, and he added, uh, like I guess, reading his bio, he he honed his curve, and then they they said he needed to add a second pitch or another pitch. So he added like an even slower. This is a rich hill story. Just sounds great. That's like you're right. It basically is. So like, so in the in the American League in nine years, he had more walks than strikeouts. Three hundred twenty three walks. Three hundred twenty two strikeouts uh with the Dodgers 305 walks but 540 k so like a completely new pitcher uh he pitched two complete games in the 1941 World Series he won game 2 he lost game 5 he had a 250 era he was very good uh the when the Dodgers got Wyatt like um they were a bad team like they they hadn't made the World Series it was only the World Series back then like they they made the World Series in 1920 um, they were really bad for like the next twenty years. He wasn't obviously solely responsible. They got like um, you know Pee Wee Reese was came along. They had a bunch of good players. They were getting good. Um, so like that was part of it. Uh, he was really good. He ended up like after his playing career, he was a pitching coach for over a decade with the with the Phillies and Braves. And then he moved back to the with, to Georgia when the Braves moved to Atlanta in 1966. So. Good for him. Uh, Whit Wyatt, one of the sort of forgotten, really good pitchers in Dodgers history.
1: We have questions from Craig to get to, but we're going to talk a little bit about both Bell LA, the podcast and the site in the wake of Vox's announcement regarding California sites.
0: Uh, Both of those after this. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: We've been fighting internet issues throughout this
1: episode. I'll probably have to start the episode at a little preamble. Uh, so hopefully we're going to be able to get through this because we have a lot to cover, some important stuff. Uh, you know way more about it than I do. I am indir- I am affected, but sort of in a weird indirect way after Vox announced that it was removing the contractor positions uh, for any California-related sites. So I'm going to let you kind of explain it and kind of explain to our listeners what it means for uh, both True BLA, the podcast, and the site.
2: Yeah, so like this, as you can imagine, hits both of us rather personally, like... Um... <clears throat> the The future of like the site, True Blue LA itself, but also the podcast. Um, when we last recorded, it was December 16th. That was the morning that all this sort of came out. Uh, I did not have any like advanced notice of this. Not that I was, I should have or have been privy to it, but like it all sort of the timing of it was very odd. Um, and like when we recorded last, we were like an hour into hearing the news, didn't really know a ton.
1: And uh, a lot of the news from my yeah. perspective was very focused on rightfully on writers because that's what the the law sort of directly affected and what Vox's announcement directly affected. So I was getting emails about how does this relate to podcasts while we were recording and we were trying to figure it out. Yeah, so irony of
2: ironies, we that was our thirty fifth episode of two thousand
1: nineteen
2: <laughs> and the new California law that goes into effect, um uh in, on January first, limits contractors to 35 submissions per year. I, the just the underlying philosophy behind that, I think, is that if you work more than that, you're an employee and you should be given the benefits that employees have. Contractors don't often have benefits, or very rarely do. Um, so it sort of has a lot of side effects. One of those is SB Nation, like the team site model, has is all contractors basically. Um, and this is huge because SB nation, um, has 23, uh, team sites in California. This is MLB, NBA, NFL, NHL, MLS, and the college sites. So 23 team sites, it's over 200 contractors affected. It's also in a weird way, like not, um, it's not just, uh, those California team sites, like the, um, the, the person who ran Mavs Moneyball, the Dallas Mavericks team site, um, lives in California, so she's affected. Uh, Jacob Birch, uh, oh, who me. your podcast co-host here, um, he uh, works on a California site but lives in Kansas City. He's affected. Uh, Catherine Cottle, one of our moderators, and uh, Catherine the Blue on um, uh, in the comment section is a moderator, and like uh, she's affected. She's She lives out of state, so um it, it it has a wide reaching effect um so <laughs> it's, it's over 200 uh people essentially like by the end of march aren't going to have paid positions anymore um i guess the option is there for many to if you want to stay on and be like a sort of contributor but not a paid one that's for people who don't get hired now here's the deal so this is like a um something that sb nation is sort of uh trying out uh in this for the california sites it's pretty clear that this 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 could this law could probably be in effect in other sites so maybe sort of setting the framework of what to do with with future sites because they have over there's over 300 team sites in the network so but on on one level so you have over 200 contractors affected by this their sb nation is hiring roughly 20 positions. I haven't got an exact number, but I, I'm pretty sure that's the number. I don't know how many of those are full-time and how many are part-time, but let's, I would say over half are going to be full-time, maybe. And so just by basic math, I you notice I didn't say 23 positions. So by definition, uh, there's fewer uh, pay, like new paid employees than California team sites. So it's clear that, several people are going to be have have roles on multiple sites now that i don't we don't know exactly what the structure is going to be but like it could mean like one person is sort of producing content and or running things at both true blue la and halo's heaven just as an example i don't know this to be the case i don't have any inside info on this i'm just just telling you sort of how the system works um and all the contractors basically uh, their contracts are going to run out in the in the first few months of 2020, and then after March, then this sort of new system will be in place. I've seen a few people um, who've been hired. Um, uh, Brady Kopfer, um he uh, basically runs the um, Golden State of Mind and McCovey Chronicles, and he's going to write you know Giants and Warriors stuff. So that's sort of one way they're doing it so it might not necessarily be cross baseball sites but maybe like cross sports if that makes sense um so i we don't really know who's all been hired yet or i I think the process is still ongoing but like as you as you might affect like or as you might imagine this like affects all of us um like i'm an employee of vox now and i work on technically sbnation.com um i have not um like i have been haven't been paid for any for my true blue la work in 2019 uh i wrote one week in review like every week um on the site for for the season but i did that because like it was an old habit of mine and i didn't get paid any extra for doing that i didn't i haven't been getting paid for the podcast because they have a uh a policy of not—I um, can't—you can't collect like stipends or contractor stuff if you're an employee. So that's a thing. Um, so at, as this has been as as with many people, for a lot of us, a labor of love. We're not doing this to get rich. Um, and it's and like Jacob has a full time job
1: that he does on the side. This is a. Uh, very much labor of love for him. <laughs> like he making I'm, my full time job is what's on the side. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, that's yeah, on the side. This this is what matters. And yeah, I get I do get paid or, or did I, I, I? Yeah, the pot as I mentioned, the podcasting stuff is still a little nebulous. There's some guesses as to um, some of my some of the money that goes to me, which then goes a lot of it goes to you know, microphones. Uh, I'm still paying. A few services, even though SB Nation hosts the main podcast, there's still a few services I'm using. Um, so some of that money is going away. Some of it's not. We're not exactly quite sure. I, I imagine it'll get kind of short up as we get into February and March.
2: Yeah. And so um, I have a few thoughts just generally. And, I, and like, again, I, I have an employee of Vox. I mean, they're not, like, uh, as far as I know, not really putting the clamps down on what we can say and what we can't say. I'm not I don't think I'm talking out of school in any of this. I will say this on on one hand, first off, um, the idea that they are hiring um, actual full and part time writers to be actual employees with actual benefits. Um, that's like long overdue. That's something that kind of had to happen. Like it just and um, it was
1: the intent of this law, right?
2: Exactly. Right. And so it's how companies deal with it um, is sort of the thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, just as an example, right? Like the team site model, (laughs) here's what we were dealing with for. So I ran True Blue LA for almost 10 seasons. It was nine full seasons and then half of the 10th season in 2018. During that time, the most I ever made as a site manager um, was $1,000 a month. Um, I was also from uh, mid or late 2012. I had some other role or actually I I also ran the regional sites uh, a regional site of SB Nation Los Angeles starting in 2010, but as, I was a um, I worked in some level with like SB Nation since August of 2012, so I was doing concurrent things and from a like just a Perspective I made most of my money doing the dot-com stuff while and then I also did true blue LA on the side so and then in 2018, uh, I went from contractor to employee and then sort of folded into more of a uh, national employee as opposed to a team site runner. So that's when that sort of went away. Um, but anyway, so just $1,000 a month. By rough count, um, during my time at True Blue LA, I had roughly 14,000 posts. Now, Blacker. yeah, not that's that's a rough count. Like some of that is like, literally making a game stream so it's not like like not everyone was grueling <laughs> these weren't all thousand word essays or whatever so um like that's that's 123 a month for 10 years that's four posts a day and uh so like you do the math on what like the like hourly wage of that is so to give you an idea of what sort of this the standard was before the other thing is um eliminating contractors, uh, altogether uh, is a gut punch, right? Like the law says you can have a B contractor and not, um, especially if you can't pronounce it right. Like I just couldn't, but, um, <laughs> but you, you can have a contractor and not, and just have, you know, 35 or fewer submissions a year, but it's, it sounds like this, um, sort of program they're interested, instituting for the California sites is a, um, is a company decision, like to sort of see how this works out, right? So I don't know. I mean, look, none of this is has been like fully finalized in terms of what they're going to do, but to, to not have any contractors, at all I think they'll have some sort of budget for freelance things. So maybe that's how like you get through it. But in terms of like eliminating all the um, the contractor um, spots, like that's that seems a little harsh. Um, a lot of, I mean, look. I think most people who wrote for the team sites have day jobs elsewhere and maybe they weren't spending as much time as say I was doing team site stuff and this was just extra money that they uh, got to have an outlet for something they're passionate about. And I think to sort to shut off that valve is like, is short-sighted i think but like um you know we'll let's we'll see how this goes I, I hope that that hasn't fully closed like off anything not to mention well we still aren't exactly sure how the podcasting is going to work yeah um but we'll see but then the other thing was like not getting the contractors like not getting any notice was pretty terrible like we we didn't know we till that morning but like um it's one thing to say like look, this is the new law coming in. Our hands were tied, but the law was passed in September. Right. And like, so this went out on December 16th, the a public post, uh, saying thank you. California was the headline, which I probably could have workshop that headline a little bit. Um, essentially saying that you're, we're eliminating all the contractor positions, maybe not advised. Um, That went out at the same time as contractors, uh, email uh, to contractors went out, like saying, here, here's what's going to happen with your thing. So that, that was, you know, something that that's not cool. Um, are you, I mean, just, you feel for the people like affected by that. So the other thing is, um, and I've explained this or try to explain this to people I've talked to in the company about this, the one thing that you're. Uh, that's at stake here is the actual community of the site themselves. That's what really makes the site. Obviously the content is key and having, you know, it's not just like drivel and crap on the site. You want to have good content, but if you don't have like a community there to like share it and interact, then what do you really have? And like if you're like stretching everybody thin to the point where different people are running multiple sites and I wonder how, how they are gonna replace all the contributions of all the contractors with so few people. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. I think that's what part of this sort of figuring out is, is a process is gonna be. But like, I hope that they keep the community in mind um, to like keep those standards up that the community is used to. And you have to sort of, um, you know, have that in mind when you're making these changes. If you lose the community, you have nothing. So. Uh, and if you put a substandard product out, uh, it's gonna they're gonna go away, and that's that's trouble. So, what does that mean for us personally? Um, I, I, I last year at some point I went through because I, I was wondering exactly how many of these I did. So, I've done eleven years. I started the weekend reviews in two thousand nine. That was my first like uh, year of, of games on the site. I started doing weekly reviews, and so there's been two hundred and ninety one seasonal weeks. Um, Uh, since then I've done 288 of the reviews. Um, there's, there were a couple times when I was out, uh, when I was in the hospital in 2017, I believe Ryan, uh, and or Craig uh, took the mantle on those, but only missed three in 11 years. My goal is to keep doing those. I have no idea who's going to be like the lead dog, uh, or the head honcho at running True Blue LA, uh, when the season starts. But my goal is to keep doing that. Uh, we also Jacob and I are we're going to keep doing the podcast basically as long as they let us <laughs> and so like uh, and we want to look like you said this is a labor of love for us we want to keep doing it if it comes to a point where we we don't have the option to keep doing the podcast on uh, True Blue LA we thought about like possibly moving it to um, to Patreon so I would appreciate like I'll put this in the show notes too but is that something you guys are interested in because we think we do a pretty good job. Is there something more you want to hear on the podcast? Let us know because we want to keep doing the podcast and it would just be like, uh, getting enough subscribers to like cover actual like costs of like, you know, the server, um, some of the software, etc. And then, right. And then exactly right. So we're not looking to like break the bank on this, uh, uh, let's said, we will not turn down breaking the bank on this. Like, if, <laughs> if we happen to have, if there are millions of you, and we've seen the numbers, there aren't millions. There's several, several, several dozens of you. But um, <laughs> yeah, so let us know if that's something you're interested. But in. we want to keep doing it. We're not going anywhere. Um, so yeah, that's sort of where we're at. And there's a lot of confusion right now, and understandable anger from some of the the um, you know the community itself. But we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, I don't, you know, we all like love the sort of community at True Blue LA and you're a big reason why we do the podcast. So we want to hear like from you about what do you think? So thank you, everybody. Like, I, I think that's sort of our plan. But yeah, that's that's what I think uh, going forward.
1: Yeah, I got nothing to add. I guess, I guess I'll mention it before. We'll, we'll probably have a better idea of, the lay of the land, specifically in regards to the podcast, I'm guessing sometime in February and March, I'll probably follow up with the the folks at SB Nation, just get an idea of where we stand with do we still have an editor? Are we limited to 35 episodes? That's the mandate we have right now. I could see that changing because I don't know if like it's considered a contribution in the same way uh, that the law indicates. Uh, everything's a little bit fluid, uh, but once we have a better idea, I think we'll have a Better idea from them, we'll have a better idea of where what we're going to be doing with the podcast. And if we needed to change anything, either small or big, we'll probably do that right around the time the season starts. Isn't that great? Yay. So we have out with the old, or excuse me, out with the new, in with the old. There we go. Out with the, the new news, but uh, in with uh, the old tradition on this podcast of. Questions from Craig yeah have f- five questions from Craig who we got also was that Jim sum with us yeah' oh, another
2: we, we would have we would have been able to knock out so much had we just had room to put a uh, a microphone and a recording device uh, in, near the table uh, enough to capture us but uh, we would have been interrupted by chewing and etc so it would have mm, been good slurping it would have been delicious.
1: Question the first. You have it as a question. The A, as of 7:53 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, the Dodgers have not made a trade for Mookie Betts or Francisco Lindor, as you may have mentioned already in the podcast. <clears throat> With the arbitration deadline being Friday, do you think the deadline has any impact on these potential deals?
2: So I can update you for now. Uh, as of 3:34 p.m. Pacific Time, there also hasn't been what any uh, any Dodgers trade. In fact, what's funny? So Jeff Passan, uh, the National signed, re-signed Daniel Hudson, and uh, two years, eleven million. So Passan put out a thing about um, um, like the top spending teams, and like nine teams had spent a hundred 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 dollars, hundred million dollars or more. And then like the next highest was like the Rangers at fifty million in free agency, and then obviously the Dodgers are at ten million. And he he put out the bottom list too uh so 45678910 the dodgers are tied for 11th uh least amount of free agent spending not that they necessarily had to be top free agent spenders and yes they did offer that big offer to cole which was not successful but that's sort of where we're at right now in this offseason as we've talked about like we're just sort of in the waiting process so uh mookie bets uh this friday is the exchange deadline a lot of teams are filing trial in that if you don't reach a an agreement by Friday, they're just going to go to an arbitration hearing at some point in February, no matter what. So this it essentially sets a soft deadline to sort of make these deals. However, in terms of the trade talks, I don't think it really affects it. You know pretty much what Mookie's going to make in two thousand twenty. Like for instance, like by Friday, if like I think the projection for him is like I think twenty seven point seven million or something, which would be a record. Uh, but like, it's not going to, it's going to be to a point where if he submits a figure of like 31 million and the red, and the red Sox are like at 26 million and sure they might gravitate toward the midpoint and make a deal, but like, you're not going to not trade for bets because, oh man, we could have afforded like 28 million, but can we really add on 31 million? No, it's Mookie bets. You'll take, you're going to take them no matter what. So I don't think it really affects it. Um, it's, it's more of a deadline. We're going to see a lot of like contracts reached this week the dodgers have a ton of arbitration people and we have a standing bet um i lost of, of a few of those yeah you you picked the third which was crazy and uh, <laughs> uh so we'll see more deals as the week uh, ro- rolls along but dodgers have a slew of arbitration eligible players so i predict every single one will be either signed or dealt with in some fashion by next friday
1: Eric Karras is the only L.A. Dodger that hit more than 200 home runs, 211, in a decade. And that was in the 90s. Will Cody Bellinger become the second L.A. Dodger to do that?
2: Okay, so first off, like, just that that's, that first sentence alone <laughs> was, like, was like shocking to me. And, like, <laughs> I know, like, the Dodgers don't have, like, many home. They've only had, like, seven players hit 200 homers ever, right? That includes all the Brooklyn people. But, like, still, like... Two hundred home runs in a decade—it's not that many, right? I mean, it's twenty a year if you play the entire decade, and like that's an accomplishment. But it's like they've only had one since moving to LA, and I'm like, okay, I get—I guess, guess it makes sense, right? Like, but like, so if you look, if you just break it down, like the LA people, uh, Ron Say and Steve Garvey are both over two hundred with the Dodgers, and like, but both of those were like split uh, a lot in the seventies and then a few years in the eighties for both. Uh, Ron Say uh, hit 163 home runs in the 70s, Garvey 159, uh, so, and their totals were 228, 211 with the Dodgers. So uh, Matt Kemp, uh, he, uh, he hit 220 home runs in the 2010s, and he's interesting because he entered the 2010s one year older than Cody Bellinger is now. Was his MVP season didn't come till 2011, so he wasn't like coming off the, what Bellinger's coming off, and also a different era and all. But Kemp hit 220 home runs in the 2010s. Uh, only 142 of those came with the Dodgers, and it was and it was in six years, but not consecutive because he had the weird five years in traded, traded back, traded again. Like, there's a weird decade for Matt Kemp, man. Like, but like that. He hit 220 home runs. So from, and I looked, so Mike Piazza did not hit 200 home runs with the Dodgers, but he hit 177 and he only played five and a quarter seasons. Uh, he was going to be a free agent at the end of 1998. And when it was clear that he wasn't going to resign, the Dodgers traded him. But interestingly enough, he hit 23 home runs with the, um, the rest of the season. Uh, in uh, 1998 after getting traded. So he would have ended his – like had he stayed with the Dodgers and had the same production, he would have ended with exactly 200. I thought that was interesting. So the three Brooklyn folks um, who were all above 200 um, all hit 200 home runs in the 50s. Uh, Roy Campanella was at 211 Uh, and, of course, only in eight years because he was paralyzed uh, at the end of 1957, and he did not play when the Dodgers moved to Los Angeles – uh gil hodges hit 310 home runs in the 50s he was a, a stalwart uh, at first base uh, very productive year after year duke snyder hit 326 home runs in the 50s um he had uh, also five straight years of 40 home runs so he had the 200 in a five-year span let alone a 10 so getting back to the question about bellinger like it's easy to just say yes right because that's you think- what i'm doing Right. And so, but then like weird things happen, man. Like, but then again, Bellinger could also get to 200 probably faster given like the era. Um, like, he already is at what, 111, I think, or something like that. So he's averaged like 37 a year in his first three years and he's still super young. He only, but the thing is, he only has three more years till free agency. So, like, and like, look, he could leave he very much could leave or the Dodgers could trade him before free agency, all this stuff. We don't know, but I, I I think he's the most likely, like, it would be hilarious to me if Max Muncy does it because like, (laughs) uh, like he, he not only stays a Dodger, but then they sign him and then he just keeps staying on. And then like, he ends up with like a 250 home run decade or something like all with the Dodgers. Like that would be like a funny, like uh, unexpected thing. But I think of all the Dodgers, like, uh, he's probably the the easiest to say yes, uh, even though he, he does technically only have three years. If Matt Kemp were to challenge uh, Barry Bond's home run record for three consecutive years, he could get all 200 in the next three years. So it's not out of the question that even if he leaves as a free agent after 2022, that he could have a 200 home run decade with the Dodgers. So I'm going to say a very tentative yes.
1: And we'll see what happens. You know, he could, it's possible that he has sort of a downward trend, but if he keeps being kind of the, maybe the average Cody Bellinger that we've seen over the last three seasons, I have a hard time seeing the Dodger front office, not kind of Kershawing him and just saying, this is, this is our franchise guy. This is who we're going to go out of our way to make sure it sticks around. Uh, so i i expect him to do it but like you said weird stuff happens It's baseball
2: and I, look just i just like think back to this going back to Matt camp directly after the 2011 season
1: with camp, yeah he's who i had you, in mind when i said weird you, stuff you you,
2: you 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 cannot imagine Matt camp not being a dodger at that point right yep. especially since they also just signed him to that 8 year 160 million dollar like well clearly a dodger for life yep. like i literally I, I wrote a post about like uh all the what he has to do over the eight-year contract to set various Dodgers records, guess how many of those he actually set? Zero. None. So who knows, man?
1: Baseball's weird. The last time the Dodgers had fewer than 61 starts from left-handed pitchers was in 2010 when they had 44. Kershaw had 32 and Ted Lilly had 12. With just Kershaw and Urias projected to start games for the 2020 Dodgers, will the Dodgers have more than 50 starts from left-handed pitchers this season? So
2: you know we have Urias in there, but of course you never know exactly what's going to happen with Urias because you know it's something. Something always happens, right? He's not. He's not. He's definitely not going to be. Like I don't think he's. No matter what, I don't think he's going to qualify for the ERA title this year. I don't think he's going to make 25 starts because. I mean, he might make 25, but that'd be a a lot. And so Kershaw, they've been, like, a little careful with him, like, easing off at times. Like, he made 29 starts this last year. So let's put Kershaw at, like, 28, right? Just say 28. So do they have uh, somewhere to get the other 22? And I'm not sure I would bet on Urias filling the gap to get the 50, the only thing that would makes me say yes is because, obviously, it opens up the field to pitchers they might acquire and David Price is left-handed. <laughs> not not that we get back to that again. But, like, there's other pitchers, too. Um, and maybe maybe they sneak their way in by doing some weird opener thing with, um, like, an Adam Kolarik or Scott Alexander uh, one-inning thing, uh, like midseason or something, if they're uh, – I don't know, who knows, but I think I will take the over just because I'm almost just interested to see how they do it. I'll take Um, the over. So yeah, I'll take the over.
1: I'm going to change the question because I'm going to change it to how high I had actually originally read this when I was thinking of my answer. Do they get to 61? No. Okay, cool. You and I are on the same page then. I had read this as the same number as 61. So I was like, I was, uh, very prepared to say, no, they won't get to it. But I think 50 can happen. Like you said, just weird stuff can happen.
2: If they trade for someone and get to 61, will it be a 61 with an
1: asterisk? Will the White Sox win more games than the Cubs in the upcoming 2020 season? That's the fourth question.
2: So I was looking at this, uh, the White Sox have been super active. They signed Yasmani Grandal to a big deal. They signed Dallas Keuchel to a big deal. Um, they uh, re-signed um, Jose Abreu at first base. They traded for Nomar Mazzara. Um, they're looking pretty strong. The Their pitching staff was very bad at, outside of Lucas Julito. Um You get Grandal. you're stealing more strikes. You figure that'll have a multiplier effect on the pitching staff, plus adding Keiko. So I think they're definitely going to be better. That said, there's a big gap like between those two teams. Like the... The White Sox certainly are younger and and on the rise, and the Cubs not necessarily so. So the White Sox won seventy two games, the Cubs won eighty four. The the Cubs Pythagorean record was ninety and seventy two. The White Sox had a Pythagorean sixty nine wins. So gaps even bigger there. I think the White Sox are on the rise. I don't. Um, I don't think. I think. The, think,
1: they I, think I think the Cubs also just underperformed. Even in, concerning Pythagorean, not just luck wise, they just weren't as good of a team as maybe they could have been. Just maybe some luck issues, weird weird things going on. So I think I don't, I do not think so. I think the Cubs will still win more games.
2: Yeah, that said, like the White Sox are, I think, going to be better. Mm-hmm. And the only the way you could say they, they might is that just the AL Central is worse. That's true. Than the NL Central, so like, um, that's the, the like the Twins and the Indians are still like um playoff caliber type team so it's not like a cakewalk right like um so it'll be tough but yeah so i think the white Sox not quite the cubs yet like who knows what what if they like swoop in and get josh donaldson or something like okay then we could start like entertaining or uh, who knows but
1: like they're they're getting there but just i don't think they're just there yet final question food question and then the last thing you cooked at home that was previously frozen Okay, so, so this okay, is a strange uh, like I, I get I think I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly restructure this question because yes, I'm gonna rule two kinds of foods out. Um we uh Melissa and I routinely go to Costco, buy a bunch of chicken breasts, and then freeze yeah. those. Or we make them up for our sous vide machine and then freeze them. I'm not counting that. Food like that, fresh that you're frozen freezing for for uh preservation's sake. I'm also not counting ice cream.
2: Oh yeah, that's that's totally understandable so uh, any dessert right? how about i'm here i've I've got here i'm not a
1: non ice cream thing that you bought from the frozen section and you ate how about that uh
2: i had an answer for this like no no matter what it it is a um it was a kroger brand three meat pizza Mm -hmm. um that i bought like a week ago and i ate over the weekend
1: and it was fine. It, yeah. and it was like $3. <laughs> it there was, there yeah. are two frozen pizza products of, of my childhood, one of which readily available here in Kansas City area, one of which I have seen in a very rare occasion. Uh, bagel Bites are what are available everywhere here. And yeah. you know what's great about Bagel Bites, Eric? Besides everything? When pizza's on a bagel, you can have pizza anytime. And and I do. Oh, okay. But I was, as we've mentioned, I just got back from visiting uh, my family in L.A. And when I'm in L.A., I make sure to seek out the Celeste Pizza because uh, that was the really the frozen pizza of my youth. So when I'm back home, I always buy like four, and they're always like four for five dollars at the local Vons, and oh, I man. always get four and have it over the course of a week. Are you a Rockefeller?
2: Because I I literally have, um, I think four mini Celeste pizzas in my <laughs> fridge right now. I am mean, in my freezer right now. And I paid 88 cents a piece for those. So wow.
1: Suck on that. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's the Santa Clarita way. Always over. <laughs> that, that, that's
2: right. Yeah, that's right.
1: On the other end of things, what about canned? What was the last canned thing? I don't eat canned food. Okay. So the, and that's the not because it's of- canned. It's just like a lot. Like I don't like beans, for instance, I don't like uh, canned vegetables generally. So pineapple, that might have been the last thing I had that was canned.
2: So the best part about this question, I'm I'm so glad you instinctively split them up because as written, like Craig's question <laughs> says, like the, the last thing you cooked at home that was previously frozen and that was canned. And I'm thinking, <laughs> that is specific, man. Like I like, think I, I think I'm asking know,
1: what he intended.
2: I, I think so too. But like I was just thinking, I'm like, what, like flash frozen shrimp, like into a can? Like I my mind was reeling. I was like, uh okay. But yeah, so canned for me, um, and you cooked right, so it's not tuna. Uh, but I don't, I haven't. It's been a little, a few weeks since there, probably a month since I had tuna. Uh, for me, uh, I'm pretty sure it is, um, it is soup. I have a, a decent amount of like, just as a, as a sort of like, you know, uh, quick fix sort of thing where if I don't feel like like making a dinner or something, or I'll just eat up soup, a can of soup and eat that. And so I'm pretty sure it was like, uh, I'm trying to think of the exact kind. It was probably, um, it was possibly a beef and potato. Uh, I'm not sure, but I, am I'm certain it was soup and, and probably like two weeks ago, I think.
1: I also don't like soup. So that also explains my lack of, Uh, I will say, go ahead. Do you like chili? I do like chili, and therefore some of those like the tomatoes come from that. But if you know beans about chili, Eric, you know chili has no beans, so no Not components sure. there. So yeah, uh, I will. But I'll leave that to Chile. What's out the best meal I've ever had from a canned uh, <clears throat> is from the Montreal's Alpia de Cochon, uh, and it's a duck in a can, which is whoa, a the duck and meat and foie gras all get put in a can and then cooked on the stovetop and they bring the can out to your table and uncan it and plop it on your table. And it's delicious.
2: That sounds really good.
1: It's really good. I'll send you, I'll send Steve if I can find a video of it for you.
2: I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to have, I'm going to heat up some soup uh, from a can and then I'm going to polish it off with the Celeste pizza.
1: Well, that's, that's <laughs> the way to do it.
2: Live in the high life. Uh, so, yep. Yeah, uh, this episode took a long time to record because of my internet issues and uh thank you everybody for listening uh and get yeah let us know about uh what you think are you interested if we ended up doing branching out to a patreon would that be something you would still listen to uh let us know thank you for listening and we will talk to you in a couple weeks